Tonight, I'm going to look at Psalms 23, verse 5. I know most of you are familiar with this passage, but we're going to focus tonight on this one verse. And it reads, Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Okay, we're going to focus on the A part of that verse. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I'm going to talk tonight on this title, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. I took this lesson from a book by the same title written by Louis Giglio. G-I-G-L-I-O. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Now, as uh, Deacon uh, Rice has said, this is the Thanksgiving season. And many of us will sit down tomorrow at tables that are filled with all of our favorite foods. Uh, Mr. Turkey will don the table and there will be all kinds of of goodies surrounding that table. But that's not the table we're going to talk about. That's not the table we're concerned about tonight. First, we're going to talk about the invitation to the table, we're talking about knowing the tactics of the enemy. And lastly, we'll talk about winning the battle of your mind. Okay, first, let's talk about the invitation. Psalms 23.5 says, starts with thou, thou referring to Jesus, because in verse 1 we find it says, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Now, David was a shepherd, and then he became a king. So this him being a foretaste of Jesus, he is our shepherd king. So thou, my shepherd king, has prepared this table for me. So that means I'm a sheep, and I'm proud to be called a sheep in the fold of Jesus. Now, I want you to get this picture in your mind. This table is well prepared. He didn't just throw it together. He prepared it using the finest china, maybe a beautiful white tablecloth with white linen napkins. This is a feast laid out with all kinds of good, healthy food, fresh, ripe fruits, the very best vegetables, and he put in some spiritual food also. You will probably find a platter of peace on the table, maybe a bunch of joy and a big glass of sweet love, all kinds of good things for your body, your spirit, and your soul. But it's not about what's on the table. It's about who is at the table. The table is set for me and the king. <clears throat> Okay, you got that picture in your mind. So he set the table for me. 
Now, there are two chairs at the table, one for the king and one for me. Two seats. That's it. We're not having company for dinner. It's just me and the king. And he says, come. Come to dine with me. Don't you find it overwhelming that the king of the universe, the creator of all things, wants to invite you to a table that is specially prepared for you? I don't, I know I do. He has set the table right in front of me and my enemies and in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the battlefield. I wonder why did he just stay at the dining room table or maybe retire to the family room so we could have some privacy? Oh, no. He wants all of your enemies to see you sitting with the king. He wants you, he wants them to see you being blessed, being healed, or being promoted. It may be that someone will see you and they'll hear your story. And they may understand that Christ in your life makes the difference and they too will want that for themselves. So he wants everybody to see you defeat the devil at his own game. The second point is that we must learn to recognize the tactics of the devil, his modus operandi, if you will. If you've been a Christian for more than one day, you thought I was going to say more than a year, but no, it doesn't take long for Satan to launch his tactics against us. So you've probably experienced one or more of those tactics already. I think distraction is a big one. I know it's big for me. It always happens that when I'm ready to have my quiet time or study or pray or something, something comes up. Ooh, the phone rings. Or an alarm goes off. Somebody's at the door or Something is going on, and I just have to say, okay, I'll take care of that later. Whenever you set out to do something good, and you can bank on this, whenever you set out to do something good, the devil will throw a monkey wrench in it and try to turn your focus to something else. He will use whatever he can to get your mind off of God and on to the things of this world. But the Bible says in James 4 and 7, to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, so how do we resist? Now, if I was in church, I'm sure that there would be a lot of hands going up. And that's right. You resist the devil with the only thing that he can not Stand against, and that is the Word of God. We have to read it daily, 
speak it out loud. If you don't know what scripture to speak, find one. You can use the concordance in the back of your Bible. So if you need peace, you look up peace in the concordance and read those scriptures like John 14, 27, which says, peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Or what about this scripture? Thou will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That's Isaiah 26, 3. So you would read those scriptures. You would speak them out loud. You can even sing them. Now, I'll make up a song in a minute. But if you say those scriptures until the devil flees and you get some peace, that will fill your mind with something other than the devil's lies. So, how do you know that the devil has pulled up a chair and sat down at your table? He's good at that. He's very good at it. He'll do whatever he can to get up to that table. So, <clears throat> if he's pulled up a chair telling you lies and trying to hone in on what God has for you. First of all, he tries to say that somebody else's table is better than yours. That table over there is more than mine. Those plates on that table are prettier than these. And what about that tablecloth? It's got designs in it. And mine is just a plain old white tablecloth. No, <clears throat> the king has set this table for you, and it is exactly what you need. Secondly, he says, you're not going to make it. God left you, so you're all by yourself. <clears throat> I know you know Deuteronomy 36 where it says he will never leave you or forsake you. And that's a promise and one that we can all hang on to. Thirdly, he tries to make you think that you're not good enough. You don't have the right credentials or the right education. You you weren't born on the right side of the track, you know. But Christ died for us. And if he thought that we were worth dying for, we were worth giving up his life for, then who are we to doubt what is worthy in God's sight? No, no, no. You are all that you need to be in the sight of God. So we need to latch on to that and not believe the lies of the devil. Fourth, People, you, you might be thinking people are out to get you. Everyone is against you. Mm -hmm. Truth is, people are not thinking about you at all. They have their own problems to think about. 
And then Romans 8.31, the B part, it says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? So we don't believe the lies of the devil that everybody is against us. And when you bombard the enemy with God's word, he has got to get up and walk away at least for a season. The third point is winning the battle of your mind. We have to win the battle of our minds. There is a battle going on, and we as Christians are on the front line. Now, we all know that the, the war has already been won, but how many can testify? that the battles are still going on. There are battles all over. Some seem like there's bombs falling all around us sometimes. Things get really tight. They get hot. So these battles are still going on. The devil is trying his best. And I mean he's trying his best to overturn the victory that's already won. Hmm. That seemed kind of crazy to me. If the victory is already won, then why is he so diligent in trying to overturn it? He knows that if he can get your mind, if he can get you to stop thinking about God, if he can get your mind, then he has you. And then he can whip you around like a cowboy spinning a lasso. Hmm. But the good news is you can win the battle for your mind. You you don't have to be in defeat. You can win this battle of your mind. And here's how. Here's how to win the battle. First of all, when a thought enters your mind, whatever it is, you must identify the thought, if it's from the enemy or from God. If it's from the enemy, you have to call it out, denounce it, and replace it with what God says. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sits itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive, there it is, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we have to change that thought. We have to capture that thought and change it, replace it. We do it in the same way that we resist the devil, that is, with the word of God. You know, the devil uses strategies, all kinds of strategies. One is lies. He lies about what God actually said. Then there's doubt as to what God really meant when he said what he said. And then there's greed to get you what you want instead of being content 
with what God has for you. The perfect example is Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eve listened to the lies that Satan gave. She doubted what God said about the fruit of the tree. And then she took a bite because she believed the lies. And she didn't stop there, but she gave some to her husband. And he took a bite. And the world was changed from that very day. But God's strategy is this. Put on the whole armor of God, as in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And, you know, my mama said to me, put it on and don't take it off. She said, sleep in it because you never know when the enemy will attack. And when he attacks, you may not have time to get dressed. So you need to have your enemy, your armor in place. This is the ultimate weapon we have for the spiritual warfare. And this is your winning season. With God, we win. With the Holy Spirit, we have the victory in our mind. In order to do that, it will require continuous study and some memorization of the scripture. <clears throat> I know you might say, I can't do that. I don't re retain things like I used to. I know, right? I don't either. But you can take steps to help. You can take a scripture, read it out loud every day. You can write it down on index cards or sticky notes and put it in places where you can see it. You can do like I do. I record it on my phone. Or you can use a tape recorder. And then I play it back over and over. And then you can recite it to somebody else, like a partner. I, I suggest you try it. I know you can do it. It may take some time and some effort, but if you try it, you'll find out that it works. <clears throat> now, we can wrap this all up with the power of prayer. That's part of your armor. It has been said, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, mm -hmm. no power. We need to be in the much prayer, much power category. We need to pray in the morning, at noon, at midnight, and all in between. We need to pray, pray, pray. There is power in prayer. God hears and answers prayer. Now, it doesn't have to be one of those thee and thou prayers, uh, you know, down on bended knees and all of that. It can be a simple whisper to God, like, Lord, I need your strength. Or, Lord, thank you for going before me. Or how about the classic, Lord, have mercy. Prayer is a powerful tool and weapon. And I sometimes think that we don't use it 
enough. If we use the power that's in prayer, we can turn the world around. We can bring people into the safety of God if we pray. Pray will change nations. Prayer will end wars. Prayer will change your household. Prayer will change you. Prayer will change your mind. Prayer is a powerful tool that we need to take advantage of much more than we do. So let's think about the invitation to be seated with our shepherd king at a table prepared for us. Think about those tactics the enemy uses to try to draw us in and turn us around. And then let's practice strategies to win the battle going on in our minds. If we win those battles, then we are way ahead of the game. And don't forget about the power of prayer as a tool and as a weapon in your spiritual battle. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He's waiting for us to come to him, to bow down and reverence him, and lay out our request before him. He already knows what we need. He already knows what we want. But he wants us to tell it with our own lips. He wants us to come to him and ask for what we need or ask for what we want. And I promise you, he will hear and answer your prayers. 